Hello and welcome to the Pastor Mark and Michelle Davenport Sunday Podcast. Pastors Mark and Michelle Davenport would like to invite you to listen to day three of the Converge Conference at City Light Church in LaGrange. Today, Pastors Mark and Michelle Davenport welcome evangelist Bill Lee. Hallelujah. I'll go right to the Word of God if you have your Bibles. The Gospel according to St. Luke. St. Luke chapter 6, verses 5 through 11. I'm going to take a look at a familiar story this morning. St. Luke chapter 6, verses 5 through 11. And it reads, and he said unto them, that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. The scribes and Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with madness and communed with one another what they might do. To Jesus. We want to focus our attention this morning on verse number 10, the command that Jesus gives to the man with the withered hand. He said unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. I want to use for a title this morning and speak to you on the subject, stretching for my miracle. Amen. Stretching for my miracle. Why don't you turn to somebody and tell them I'm stretching for my miracle. There are some things that we can never receive from God until we are willing to engage in a stretch. In other words, there will be some blessings and godly benefits that will simply surround us because of the grace that he bestows upon us as his children. But on the other hand, there are greater blessings, miracles, and healings that we will never receive from him until we are willing to extend ourselves and go after them. While we are living in a day when we in the church claim that we desire the blessings of God, it has become apparent that we are not really willing to stretch out and do what is absolutely necessary in order to obtain them. We seem to want an easy or convenient blessing. We want the blessing delivered to us and downloaded on our computer. We seem to want a microwaved, FedExed, faxed, emailed, instant pop-up, Facebook Live, Instagram, live chatted and tweeted blessing. 
The kind of blessing where God shows up according to our declaration and delivers the blessing without us having to engage in a stretch. We have become name it, claim it babies. We want uh, babies pardoned without labor. Titles without process. Blessings without sacrifice and the receiving of favor without the giving of our substance. We want all these things without ever having to extend ourselves and go beyond the norm and the ordinary. But as much as we may want it that way, as much as we may wish for it, I've come by to tell you this morning that there are still some blessings that we will not receive until we are willing to engage in a stretch. Amen. Why don't you turn to somebody and tell them you're going to have to stretch for this one. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, it says that without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them, watch this, that diligently seek him. That word diligently in the Greek, it literally means with earnest and sincere desire. So in other words, God is willing and he is looking for someone to bless, but he is looking to reward somebody who will dare to seek after him. Somebody that wants God more than they want anything else. Somebody that wants him more than the applause of men. Somebody that wants him more than pimped up rides and MTV cribs. Somebody that wants him more than bling bling and cha-ching that wants him more than lips, hips, fingertips, thighs, and eyes, that wants him more than pecs and biceps and triceps, somebody that wants God so bad that they are willing to do anything that is necessary in order to get what God has for them. Somebody that is willing to engage in a stretch. And I found out that as much as we may not like that this morning, The God that we serve deserves the right to demand that we stretch because he is actually the God of the stretch. It was this God of the stretch who came to Job in the midst of his trial and declared to Job, Job, where were you when I stretched out the north over an empty place and hung the earth out on nothing? It was this God of the stretch who came to Moses and the children of Israel when they were standing at the Red Sea. And the Bible says the army of Pharaoh was behind them. And the Bible says that God told Moses to take the rod and stretch it out over the waters. And the Bible says the waters parted and they walked across on dry ground. He is the God of the stretch. It was this God of the stretch when the children of Israel were in battle and needed more daylight in order to get the victory, that God took a 24-hour day and stretched it out for 48 hours until they got the victory. He is the God of the stretch. It was this God of the stretch who came to a woman as Zarephath, And the Bible says that she and her son during a time of famine were about to bake a cake and all they had was a little bit of milk. The man of God said, bake me a cake first. And the Bible says that the man of God prayed and they took that meal and stretched it out until it never ran out. He is the God of the stretch. 
It was this God of the stretch who came to a Shunammite woman who the Bible says that uh, the creditors were knocking on her door about to take her sons into captivity. The man of God said, what do you have? She said, all I have is this little bit of oil. He said, go on out and borrow some vessels and don't just borrow a few. And the Bible says that God took that oil and he stretched it out so much that she ended up paying off all of her creditors. He is the God of the stretch. It was this God of the stretch who in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, looked out over a multitude of 5,000 people. The Bible says they were hungry. And he turns to his disciples and says, what do y'all have? They said, all we have is a few fish sandwiches here that this little lad brought with him. The Bible says he took it, he lifted it up to heaven, and he blessed it. He told his disciples to go on out and pass it out. The Bible says they ate and were full. And then he had the nerve to send them out to take an offering. By the time they came back, they had 12 basketfuls. Glory to God. He is the God of the stretch. Hallelujah. And he is saying to us this morning that I want to bless you. I want to heal you. I want to do miracles in your life. But you got to be willing to engage in a stretch. And that would be the command that he would give to a man who found himself in need of a miracle as is recorded in our text in the gospel according to St. Luke chapter 6. The tide of opposition toward the ministry of Jesus, it was now beginning to rise more and more. And at the center of the controversy that his haters held against him was this whole issue of the Sabbath day. You see, while Jesus was welcome and even loved by sinners, the religious community during their day always had a problem with him. And the reason why was because he constantly chose to place human need above their many religious laws. You see, by Jesus' day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had constructed some 39 strict laws regarding the Sabbath day. And they considered these laws to be the most holy of them all. These laws, they were both meticulous and I dare say ridiculous concerning what people could and could not do on the Sabbath day. For example, if you were a tailor on the Sabbath day and you picked up your needle, you would be in violation of the rules of the Sabbath. Because a needle was considered to be a work instrument, therefore you had to wait until the Sabbath day was over to pick up that needle. Suppose you were chilling at your house and, an, and a, a tool fell off the counter or fell off the wall where you had it hung. You would have to wait until the Sabbath day was over in order to pick that tool up and put it back in its proper place. Because if you pick that tool up, you would be in violation of the rules of the Sabbath day because the tool was considered to be a work instrument. They even went as far as to determine whether a person was wearing something or whether they were carrying something. For example, if you had a brooch on your shirt, the priest would look at you and they would have to decide whether you were wearing the brooch or whether you were carrying the brooch. If a sister had on a wig, they would look at her and decide whether she was wearing the wig or whether she was carrying the wig. 
Was the brother wearing the toupee or was he carrying the toupee? Was sister girl wearing the weave or was she carrying? I'm sorry, I didn't say all that, but um, y'all understand what I'm saying. It was a time when the synagogue was filled with religious tension. So just imagine the type of religious tension that began to take place when a radical preacher by the name of Jesus entered into the synagogue and began preaching a message that was totally against everything that they had been teaching for all of those years. So that would set the stage for one of the greatest miracles recorded in the pages of Scripture, the miracle of the healing of a man with a withered hand. Now the four Gospels, they make mention of this miracle, and again they describe him as having a withered hand. But what is sadder than the fact that they, he had a withered hand is the fact that in order to receive his miracle, he had to push through a group of people who had withered hearts. So we want to take a look at our text this morning, and we want to look at this man who would stretch for his miracle. We will talk about the day, we will talk about the damage, we will talk about the distraction, and we will talk about the deliverance. Are y'all with me this morning? Say amen. Amen. First of all, the day, the day. The scripture opens up by saying, he said unto them that the son of man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now the Sabbath day during their time. It was considered to be a day of rest and observance that was set aside for the worship of God. Now, in its original intent, it was something that God established as a good thing. Somebody say a good thing. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, that after God had created the heavens and the earth, after he had fashioned man in his own image, the Bible says that on the seventh day, God rested. Now understand, God did not need to rest. He was God. He didn't need a day off. He didn't need a massage or a protein shake. He didn't need to go have an energy drink or a shot of vitamin B or a testosterone boost or a glass of Gatorade. No, he did not need to rest. As a matter of fact, the psalmist said in Psalms 121 that he that keepeth Israel, he neither sleeps nor does he slumber. Isaiah said, has thou not known and has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he neither is weary, amen, and uh, uh, neither does he faint. So God did not need to rest. But what God was doing was establishing a principle for us a principle that is simply known as the six to one principle. Somebody say six to one. What does that mean? That means that God has designed and fashioned us in such a manner that for every six days of work, we require at least one day of rest. If we're going to have emotional health, physical health, mental health, and yes, spiritual health, amen, no matter who we are, we must make sure that we get that one Sabbath day where we simply just rest. I don't care who you are. 
how young you are, how old you are, whatever your job is. If we violate that principle, we are going to pay the price in one way or another. You may be anointed and appointed a super saint. Amen. You may be, amen, anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power and called to do great ministry. But if you violate that principle, I don't care how anointed you are, it is going to catch up with you after a while. My God have mercy. Amen. I don't care if you, amen, the super saint, faster than a speeding deacon, more powerful than a missionary, able to leap tall demons in a single bout. If you don't get your crazy self some rest it is going to catch up to you after a while it will affect your relationships it will affect your family it will affect your job performance and yes it'll even affect your relationship with God and I'm afraid that there are a lot of folk in our society and yes even in our churches that are having trouble getting along with people, having trouble functioning, and the truth of the matter is, is they simply need to get some rest. Oh, my God, it's quiet. Turn to somebody and tell them you might just need some rest. That's right, you just might need some rest, amen. You don't need another relationship. You've been in free already this year, amen. You just might need some rest, amen. You don't need another, another marriage partner, no. You've been married three times already and got Judge Maybelline on speed dial. You might just need some rest, no. You don't need another church. You've been to every church in the community, amen, and been a member there for six months and go on to another church, no, baby. You you just might need some rest. You can't get along with anybody. You got an attitude all the time. You have no joy. You have no peace. You've been switching this and switching that. And God is saying, what I need you to do is observe what I have established at the beginning of time and get yourself some Boy, this is good preaching, but they're just sitting there, there looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> It was a good thing, the Sabbath day. But by the time we come to our text, the religious people of their day took a good thing that God established and applied human rules to it and ruined it with a case of bad religion. Did I tell y'all something? One of the deadliest powers on the face of the earth is bad religion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People kill in the name of bad religion. The Twin Towers in New York City came down on 9-11 because of people with the case of bad religion. My God, terrorists do what they do in the name of bad religion. The Ku Klux Klan claims to be a Christian organization, a case of bad religion. My God, you see, when you got bad religion, you can smile at me on Sunday and talk about me like a dog on Monday. When you got bad religion, you can say that you love Jesus, who you have never seen, while you hate your neighbor, 
who you see every day. Y'all ain't talking to me this morning. When you got bad religion, my God, you can say that you love Jesus while you're filled with hate and racism and prejudice deep down in your spirit. But I'm so thankful to God that I got more than bad religion. Hallelujah. I just wonder if there's anybody in the house that has more than religion. Oh, my God, have mercy. Turn to somebody and tell them I got relationship. Oh, I got relationship. Hallelujah. Relationship with Jesus will make you love everybody. Relationship with Jesus will make you pray for your enemies and bless those that curse you and pray for those who despitefully use you. When you got relationship, hallelujah, it'll cause you to praise them when you don't feel like praising them. It'll cause you to love everybody. It'll cause you to love and glory to God and walk in the grace of God. I wonder if I got anybody that has relationship. <laughs> oh, glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> but this, but the synagogue now had become corrupted with bad religion. Hypocrites sitting in the pews. Hypocrites Teaching lessons, hypocrites, ushering, hypocrites, caring for the synagogue. But do you know what I love about Jesus and love about this man with the withered hand? Is that even though they knew that there were hypocrites in the synagogue, every Sabbath he got up got dressed, and still went to church. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Would you turn to somebody and tell them I've got to go to church, baby? Yes, I do. Hallelujah. Oh, there might be a few hypocrites in the church, but I still have to come to church. Everybody here may not like me, but I still have to come to church. You can look at me funny if you want to, but you better sit on the other side of the church because I'm not going anywhere because I have to come to the house of God to meet my God because he told me that he would be in the house. I've got to come to church. Now listen, I believe there were motivations that both of them had that kept them coming to the synagogue. For Jesus, he showed up probably thinking that there just might be somebody in the midst of all of that religion who just might hear what I've got to say. But for that man with the withered hand, I believe that he kept showing up because deep down in his mind and in his spirit, he told himself that if I just keep on coming, yes, with my withered hand, if I keep showing up, yes, with all of the hypocrites around me, if I keep walking into the house, that maybe, just maybe, that today might just be my day, hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Would you turn to somebody and tell them today is your day? 
Oh, today is your day. Oh, I don't know who I'm talking to in this house, but you've been praying for your breakthrough. You've been praying for your miracle. You've been believing God. You've been fasting. Hallelujah. Or I come by to tell you, get ready. Today is your day. Hallelujah. Those Pharisees were showing up saying today isn't the right day. They were saying it's the Sabbath day and nothing is supposed to happen on this day. But Jesus was in the house and he said, I am Lord of the Sabbath and I don't care what anybody has to say. I don't care what the devil has to say. Today is your day. Hallelujah. You may not have the credentials. You may not feel like you're worthy, but Jesus said today is your day and I I declare in the name of Jesus that today is your day. Hallelujah. Somebody lift those hands and just give God a praise for your miracle today. Hallelujah. Today is your day. Hallelujah. One more time, turn to somebody and tell them today is your day. So we talked about the day, but let me move on. And let's talk about the damage. The damage. The Bible says that on this particular Sabbath day that there came a man whose right hand was withered. The word withered, it literally means dried up and deformed. The word describes that which once held life, but now the life is gone. Like a flower that has been plucked up from the ground and laid on the sidewalk. In the heat of the sun, its juices have been extracted from it, and now it's dried up. Like a piece of bread left on the countertop in the middle of the day, and now it's crispy and worthless dried up, dried up. That which once was strong is now fragile and weak. That which was once beautiful is now twisted and deformed, dried up. Like a business whose finances have run out, like a vision that has gone to sleep, like a dream that has died, like a ministry that is weary and lifeless, dried up. <clears throat> like a career that has been surrounded by roadblocks, dried up. Like a marriage that has gone from wedlock to deadlock and from the ideal to the ordeal, dried up. The Bible says his hand was withered. His hand. Hands represent the extension of our being. Hands actually put into thought that which is in our minds. As a matter of fact, in practically every profession or line of work, the expression of our expertise is found by the use of our hands. They put into action that which is on our minds. We think with our brains, but we act with our hands. 
Nurses administer care and healing with their hands. Surgeons perform surgery with their hands. Carpenters and construction workers build and construct with their hands. Computer techs work on computers with their hands. Artists paint and express their ideas. Writers create their books. Fighters knock out their opposition with their hands. Accountants keep track of money. Architects and engineers lay out the plans of the cities. Janitors and maintenance people clean. Musicians play music. Athletes catch it and throw. Police officers direct traffic. And even preachers talk with their hands. And back in the day when somebody was really getting on your nerves, you would tell them to talk to the... Bible says his hand was withered. 50% of his ability to express himself was taken away. He felt like a half person, a half man. If he was a woman, he would have felt like a half woman. But understand that not only does it say that his hand was withered, it said that his right hand was withered. Let me ask y'all a question real quick. How many, how many left-handed people do I have in the house this morning? All right, praise God. Y'all, y'all special, you know. <clears throat> According to statistics, they tell me that only 10% of the population is left-handed. As a matter of fact, if you're here and your son or daughter is left-handed, you know, teach him how to throw a baseball. Right. And when they sign that contract with, you know, the Atlanta Braves, you know, make sure you pay your tithe. <laughs> and also send a check to Lee Ministries for my consulting fee. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but it's significant that the Bible says his right hand was withered because the left hand in Scripture, pardon me, left handers. Is considered to be a form of curse. As a matter of fact, I travel, I've traveled over to India and different places in the Middle East, and if a child oftentimes is born left-handed, oftentimes they will literally tie that child's hand to the child's body so that they'll learn how to function with their right hand because they believe that the left hand is a place of cursing. Even if you look at the Scripture. When the Bible says about those who would appear before Jesus during Judgment Day, he would say to those who have been faithful, depart, I mean, enter in on my right hand, and those who are unfaithful, enter into my left hand where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you look at the scripture, the Bible says Jesus, after he had conquered everything and rose from the dead, he ascended unto heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father. So the right hand is considered to be the place of authority, the place of power, the place of strength. So the devil attacked this man not in the place of his weakness, but he hit him in the place of his strength. When I was a younger Christian, I used to think that the devil was always trying to hit me in my area of weakness. 
But as I've grown older, I found out that that's not really what he wants to do. What he really wants to do is he wants to hit me in my area of strength. You see, because if he hits me in my area of weakness, I can grab as I start to fall. I can reach up and grab onto my place of strength and brace myself. But if he ever hits me in the place that I thought I was invulnerable, the place that I thought he could never get to, the place that I would look at the devil like I was MC Hammer and tell him, you can't touch this area right here. I got this thing together. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I've always had a strong family. I've always had a strong income. I've always had a strong career. I've always had a strong ministry. If he can get his hands on that place, not only will I fall, but I'll start reeling because I don't have anything to reach up and grab onto. My God, can I preach this this morning? Because I'm talking to somebody in this house. You're sitting in church with a smile on your face and you look like everything is great on the inside. But the people around you don't even realize that the enemy has hit you right in the place of your strength. Coming to church month after month and you've been reeling. Even throughout this whole year, you've been reeling. My God, people around you don't understand the pressure that you are under because the enemy has hit you in your place of strength. My God, your right hand is dried up. Family life dried up. Marriage dried up. Finances dried up. Ministry dried up. My God, can you see that man entering into that temple on that day with his withered right hand? My God, everything is all dried up. The place of his strength is all dried up. My God, he is, he is feeling hopeless. He is feeling like life, amen, will never be right. His vision is dried up. His dreams are dried up. His hope is dried up. His sense of purpose is all dried up. But watch the way God works. On this particular day, the man with the withered hand enters into the synagogue. And on that day, the man whose life is dried up is about to have a collision with the very God that said, I am the water of life. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Somebody shout water. Oh, I don't know who I'm talking to in this house, but you got a dried up situation where there is water in the house this morning and his neighbor, Meriton woman, had said, honey, you've been sipping Bud Light for too long, but if you drink of the water that I have to give, you shall never thirst again. Hallelujah. It was this same Jesus who on the day of the feast declared to the people that if you believe on me, as the scripture says, that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. I come by to tell somebody, get ready. God is about to pour water on your situation. I've come in the spirit of Elijah. I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Glory to God. And I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Hallelujah. Get ready. God is about to pour water on your situation. Turn to somebody and tell them the drought is over. 
The drought is over. Hallelujah. Get ready. The drought is over. Hallelujah. I know the devil told you you would never be the same. I can might have tell you the devil is a liar this morning. The heavens are about to open on your situation and God is about to pour water. Come on and lift those hands all over the house and receive it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You don't have to leave here like you came this morning. I declare in the name of Jesus that some dreams are about to be transitioned and transform. You see, whenever water is poured on something, it reverses the power of a drought. Hallelujah. Plants start growing where there were never plants before. Life comes back where life had left. Somebody needs to get ready because the water of life is in the house this morning and he's going to reverse the damage of the enemy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What time y'all get out about three o'clock? Okay, all right. I'm, I'm just kidding. Somebody just passed out back there. Somebody, y'all stretch your hands. Okay. <laughs> Let me just move on. We've talked about the day. We've talked about the damage. I'm going to couple these two together. Let's talk about the distraction and the deliverance. Let me help somebody to understand something. Whenever you decide to stretch, whenever you make up your mind that you're not going to be satisfied with status quo and that you are going to get what God has for you, be prepared to deal with opposition. Be prepared that the devil is going to do everything that he can do to distract you. See, and that's the problem that we have in the church. You know, we, we make these faith declarations, you know. We're going to name it and claim it and you know, grab it and have it. And mark it and park it, you know. <clears throat> Declare it and wear it, you know. And somehow we think that just because we said it, that the devil is just going to hear it, pack up his bags along with his little children, and go to the Bahamas and leave you alone. That's not how it works, I'm sorry. But once you make up your mind, he is going to do everything that he can do to try to distract you and stop you from getting what God has for you. Be prepared and stop acting surprised when you have opposition. It's going to come. It's part of the journey. It's part of the process. Be prepared for opposition. And let me go a little further and warn you. Because you not only have to be prepared for opposition, but you got to be prepared to deal with where it's going to come from. Look at verse number seven. It says, the man again is in the, uh, uh, has the right day. Jesus is in the house. He's about to stretch to get his victory, and the opposition comes. And where does it come from? The Bible says in verse number seven, 
and the gangbangers. Drug dealers. The prostitutes. And politicians. I'm sorry, that's not what it says. I'm it says, and the scribes and Pharisees. Hold up. His opposition, mother, didn't come from outside the synagogue. It came from inside. Oh, the church people was bringing the opposition. Sometimes your worst battles are going to come in the house of God. I got some bad news for you. Everybody that comes here is not saved. Uh-huh. Are y'all hearing me? Uh-huh. Just because they show up in church doesn't mean that they love Jesus. Uh-huh. Doesn't mean that they really have a relationship with Jesus. Uh-huh. There are some folk who come out of tradition. There are some people who come simply to observe what's going to happen. And listen, there are some people that come that the devil sends simply to be a distraction to the people of God. Oh, y'all ain't talking to me this morning. Amen. And y'all know who I'm talking about. Just don't look at them while I'm preaching so, so we won't start nothing up in here, okay? But you know what I'm talking about. They have enough religion to make them miserable. And misery loves company. So therefore, whenever you decide that you're going to break through and get what God has for you, amen, you got to be prepared to deal with some of the religious people in the house that are going to try to stand in your way to stop what God has for you. My God, they're not going to like the way you worship. They're not going to like the way you wear your hair. They're not going to like the way the music is. They're not going to like anything because they are miserable. But you got to make up your mind and tell yourself that I will not be distracted. And go ahead and criticize me. I'm going to get my breakthrough. Go ahead and talk about me. Today is my day, and I refuse to let your dried up self stop me from getting what God has for me. Glory to God. Roll your eyes at me if you want to, but I will not stop. Jesus is in the house, and today is my day, and I will not be distracted. But I like what the word says in verse 8. Verse 7 said, describing the Pharisees, watch to see what he would do. And in verse 8, he's, the Bible says of Jesus, but he knew their thoughts. So in other words, Jesus looked around, said, I know what y'all thinking. But what you've got to understand is that your thoughts and your attitude will not affect my actions nor my power. Can, can, can I talk to y'all this morning? Listen to me. As long as you are sitting around overly concerned about what people are thinking and what their attitudes are toward you, you will never accomplish anything for God. God. 
Some of y'all got delivered from drugs and alcohol and all kind of stuff. But now that you're in the church, you know what you need to get delivered from? People. <laughs> Opinions. You're so overly, some of us are so overly concerned about what people are thinking. We can't even worship like we're supposed to worship. We can't even get our breakthrough because we're worried about what people are going to think. Some of us have a call upon our life and we're worried that somebody's going to step up and remind us of what we did five years ago. So we're scared to step out and we need to get delivered from the opinion of people. Oh, can I talk to y'all today? You see, I've been alive long enough to know that no matter what we do, people are always going to have an opinion. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. No matter what you do. Drive a big car. They're going to call you extravagant. Go out and get a small car. They're going to call you cheap. They're always going to have something to say. Dress up. They're flashy. Dress down. They're going to call you a bum. Always going to have something to say. If you're friendly, they're going to call you a flirt. If you're reserved, they're going to say, he's so stuck up. They're always going to have something to say. That's why you got to make up your mind that you are going to please God and let the chips fall where they may. My God, have mercy. Because I found out that God doesn't have a committee meeting with you before he decides to bless me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We need to get delivered from people. And I love the way that Jesus deals with this. Because the Bible says that he knew their thoughts and then he handled the hypocrites. He said, y'all, y'all, y'all such hypocrites. Is it good for me to do evil or to do good on the Sabbath day? And then he does something. The Bible says that Jesus turns to the man with the withered hand and says, stand up. Now, you know, he, he could have handled it in a different way, bro. He could have looked around and said, hey, man, I want to heal this hand of yours. But, you know, you got all these haters around here. So I tell you what, why don't we slip off into that side room over here? I'll get back there and, you know, I'll make it do what it do, you know, and, you know, everything is good, right? But that's not what he did. He stood him up right in the middle of his haters. I'm talking about with the devil sitting on his right and his mother-in-law sitting on his left. He said, stand up. Good God have mercy. Can I talk to y'all this morning? Listen here. I got to confess something to you. I, I, I love when Jesus blesses me with a secret miracle. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But I got to confess, there are other times when I just love when he blesses me right in front of my haters. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When he does like the psalmist and prepares a table before me right in the presence of my enemies. Good God have mercy. And check this out. You ain't had a good meal until you've eaten it in front of somebody that didn't want you to have it. Glory to God. You talk about joy unspeakable when they said you wouldn't amount to anything, when they said you wouldn't be blessed 
when they said you'd be a failure and God blesses you right in front of your enemies. Stand up, he says. The Bible tells me. Then he points to him and gives him a command. He says, stretch forth your hand. Fidel tells him to do something strange. You say, preacher, why is that strange? The reason it is strange is because Jesus tells him to do something that he was not capable of doing. His hand was withered. Muscles dried up. Nerves dried up. Skin dried up. Everything, vessels dried up. But yet Jesus gives him a command to do something that he was not capable in and of himself of doing. Has anybody in here ever had God tell you to do something that you did not have the power to do by yourself? Anybody knows what I'm talking about? How he'll call you to a ministry or tell you to do something or tell you to go to school, tell you to start a business and you don't have any connections. You don't have any authority. You don't have any license. You don't have any ability. Sometimes he'll call us to do things outside of our own power and outside of our own ability. What does it mean? What it means is that he who has called you to do it and commanded you to do it will provide the power and the authority for you to get the job done. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I believe that when Jesus opened up his mouth and said, stretch, stretch, left the bosom of the Savior. It traveled through the air, entered into those fingertips, and all of a sudden, fingertips that were dried started moving. All of a sudden, nerves started jumping, and muscles started coming back to life, for he gave a command and said, I'm going to cause you to do what you were never able to do. And before you knew it, the man was stretching forth his hand. Hallelujah. I come by to tell somebody that you can do all things through Christ that gives you strength. Hallelujah. You may not have the ability, but the Bible says now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Stretch forth your hand. It's time to stretch for your miracle. I know that we are living in desperate times, but desperate times call for desperate measures. And I believe that God is calling the church in the midst of everything that is going on to stretch. Stretch for your miracle. Stretch for your family. Stretch for your church. Stretch for your sons and daughters. Stretch for your community. It is time to stretch. And the Bible says that the man's hand was made whole just as the others stand with me all over the house. Come on. Hallelujah. Stretch those hands to heaven all over this house. Stretch for your miracle this morning. The God of miracles is in this house looking for somebody to bless, looking for somebody to heal, looking for somebody that needs to have a way made where there is no way, looking for somebody that needs a miracle. 
but is willing to stretch this morning. I've come by to declare in the name of Jesus that today is the day for your breakthrough. Today is the day for your miracle. Father, thank you today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence in this house right now. Father, we stretch our hands to you now, God. We're dealing with situations that are dried up. Situations that need divine reversal that can only be done through you. So we seek you now, Father. We stretch our faith in this house right now. We stretch that we might receive miracles. I declare right now, Father, and release miracles all over this house right now, Father. Release miracles into homes, into marriages, into visions and dreams, and cause them to live again, Father, in the name of Jesus. Stretch out, dear Father, and touch your children, dear God, that they might be made whole. Thank you for what you're doing right now, Father. Thank you for moving. Thank you for pouring water on those situations that did not seem recoverable. But today, Father, we hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Heal our land, God. Heal our land, Father. Heal relationships, God. Heal us of this pandemic. Heal us of racism. Heal us of division. Heal our land, Father, let it begin in the house of God this morning as we stretch out for our nation and stretch out for our people and stretch out for our families. Do it today, Father. We thank you and we believe you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Can I pray for somebody today who say to me, Preacher, you are talking to me this morning. I need a miracle. I've been showing up. I showed up this morning with a withered situation. But now I've heard the word and my faith is right risen and I realize that Jesus is in the house. I want him to pour water on my situation. If I'm talking to you right now, slip your hand up in the air. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You who need a touch from God, come on and make your way to this altar this morning while the Holy Spirit is moving. There's going to be a divine reversal in this house right now. The damage that the enemy has caused is about to be reversed. God is going to move in some circumstances and some situations this morning and turn some things around for his glory. Some things that the enemy told you were dead is about to come back to life. The resurrection and the life is in the house this morning. Hallelujah. Come on. Come and believe him this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, our altar workers who are here. Come on and help us this morning. Thank you, Lord. Let's believe God. Begin to stretch your faith all over this house this morning in the name of Jesus. 
God, move in a mighty way. I'm stretching to you today, Father. I need you to reverse my situation. I need you to move on my behalf. I need you to touch my body, touch my mind, touch my spirit, touch my situation. Do it today, Father. Thank you for listening to today's Sunday podcast. If you'd like to keep up with the latest podcast, please subscribe to the Pastor Mark and Michelle Davenport podcast in Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. If you'd like more information about City Light Church, please visit citylightchurch.net. Or if you'd like more information about Griffin Centerpoint Church, please visit gcpcog.com.